Salutations, college baseball fans. Thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of The Shock Factor, where I, Stephen Shock, am joined by the wonderful and great. Both of them are wonderful and great, so there's no confusion there. Jordan Schusterman and Jake Mintz. Fellas, how we doing? Good morning, Stephen. We are recording this on a Monday morning after some travel plans pushed our normal Sunday night recording, but that's okay. We're happy to be here. Steven, I love that your intros every week has have become more and more NPR-esque, which is, <laughs> which is both hilarious and kind of not usually where you're coming from, but we're going to give you an excuse today since it is very early where you're recording. Well, I know my, man, uh, my man Terry Gross over here. <laughs> I know people know that I am a well-educated scholar, and I just want everyone to you know, feel that through my voice. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, Stephen, it's a pleasure to join you. As always, we, have, we are very excited about this week's show. Uh, on this, of course, we're going to begin once again with Tennessee, even not just because they're the number one team in the country, but because they always seem to give us uh, stuff to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about a, another crazy SEC game. Uh, and then we're going to do a little D1 Top 150, New 150 Draft Prospect list. Just kind of shout out some of our favorite guys on that list that we've, that we've watched uh, play this season. Then we'll do our show and go with our favorite moments of the week. And then we will once again go beyond D1 for uh, again, what has become probably my favorite segment here on the D1 Baseball <laughs> Podcast <laughs> Network. Uh, but we'll get to that at the end. Uh, but Jake Mintz, uh, we are going to begin, uh, of course, in Knoxville. Where else? Uh, because the University of Tennessee continues to be in the news. Uh, Jake, would you like to run us through what happened in Dog. game, in I guess the whole series, but game one between Tennessee and Alabama? Never bored by Tennessee. No. And, like, Tony Vitello is is hateable. <laughs> Tony Vitello is lovable and everything in between. Let's run through it, Jordan. On Friday, on Friday, the Alabama Crimson Tide, as they're called, beat the Tennessee Volunteers, uh, I believe, 6-3. to three. Yep. And... Alabama celebrated because they beat the number one team in the country. First SEC loss. First SEC loss Mm -hmm. in Tennessee. And there was a quote after the game by a gentleman named Will Mabry on Tennessee who said, oh, they're partying like they won the World Series. Now, before we talk about the rest of the Tony Vitello stuff, I want to talk about those words. (laughs) Partying like they won the World Series. There is – I love Tennessee. You know I vibe – I roll with this this vibe. I rock with them. I rock with them. We need to have a set standard about celebrating, okay? Because everyone, when they're winning, says that it's okay to celebrate every moment. (laughs) And then when they're losing, they turn around and say that you got to act like you've been there before. And I think there's a little bit of butthurtness going on, which is understandable because these are, reminder, not fully formed brains playing (laughs) Very important detail. High-level sports against one another. Your brain's not... It's real deal until you're 25. Yeah, I you looked know, that which, up the other day. And I shock, realized, how old are you, man? I, I realized that my brain is supposed to be fully developed at 25, and that that terrified me. So hearing you say that to confirm it from a second source, that yeah. that's horrifying. So it, it, I understand why there's a lack of uh, celebratory consistency going on, but still, it's just so goofy. And, like, <laughs> if teams want to act like they – like you won the World Series, dude. Whatever, it's fine. If they're bad, if the team is bad, they're gonna end up with egg on their face eventually, and you can laugh at them then. 
But like for Alabama to go into Knoxville and to beat the number one team in the country to give them their first SEC loss, like hell yeah. Yeah. Alabama's not going to win the World Series. That's the World Series for them. It's okay. <laughs> it's fine. And, by the way, the other thing about this is is when teams like – like Tennessee, shouldn't you take that as a compliment? <laughs> yeah, like, it's, it's kind of endearing, you know? And, like, I think about it, and if I get beat, do whatever you want. Like, drop your nuts out and let them hang. Whatever you want to do because you won the game. I can't say anything because I lost. It's – but see, it's easy. I, I obviously just made that point, but it's so easy to say that when we're behind a microphone, right? And like when you're in the moment, you're just pissed. Like you're just pissed, and you'll say anything to anybody just to feel a little bit better about losing, right? I, I do think you're right that it is a sign of, of good. It's a good thing. Like Alabama didn't do this when they rolled. If they like roll into Presbyterian in a midweek, <laughs> you know, right? It yeah. matters because you're good. Mm-hmm. Right, and you got to remember, it's in a conference where just means more. So, Ooh, right. by by being in that conference, you're gonna have to celebrate a little bit harder because it means more. And I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've seen it a few times where it looks like Tennessee might be partying like they won the World Series, like <laughs> which is cool, like which one is great, or, one or two times or after every home run. So I'm not trying to crap on our friend Will Mabry. I, here's a thought. Here's the devil's advocate thought. It's actually would have been disrespectful had Alabama not celebrated after beating Tennessee. Exactly. You, it, you see what I'm saying? Because then it's just like, oh, who is this crappy baseball team we just beat? <laughs> well, right. It's also like imagine like if Alabama treated it like any other game and then Tennessee was pissed because they were like, what do they think we're they think we're crap? They, they're just acting like they just like we're the number one team in the country. It's like what do you want? <laughs> but to your point, Jake, it's like right. You're just mad because you just lost your first SEC game. And once again, Will Mabry, as we've talked about the previous shit talkers on this episode, Will Mabry did his job four scoreless innings in relief behind Chase Burns. And he was like, you know, I did my job, but we still lost. It's like okay, that's fine, right? We're all and to Jake's point, none of our their brains are fully formed. And guess what, Tennessee. Went back out there and whooped them in the next two games because that's what Tennessee does because they're awesome. But that's obviously the results not quite as interesting as what actually happened in the next game, which is that, okay, so Alabama wins on, th- on Friday. Great. Wonderful. Congrats to them. First inning on – oh, and by the way, important note. Well, we'll, we'll come back to that. First inning on Saturday. Chase Dolander, one of the breakout stars of Tennessee this year, uh, gets hit with a comebacker. By Zane Denton, one of Alabama's best players. Okay. He's clearly hurt. The ball bounces over to Luke Lipsius. He gets the out. Okay, great. What seems to happen, and by the way, I would very much encourage, in terms of best beat writing college baseball, Wes Rucker has been on point uh, with this stuff. And I would encourage everyone following him on Twitter for for all this stuff. And his story sums this up very well. Uh, Dolander's hurt. He's on the ground in a lot of pain. Not good. We don't like that. Frank Anderson, the Tennessee pitching coach, comes out, and it looks like he's coming out to check on his pitcher, and I think he is, and then he's suddenly screaming at the Alabama bench. And what is suggested by, again, we do not have any full confirmation, but what appears to have happened is that Frank Anderson was not happy with some sort of reaction to Dolander's injury from the Alabama bench and starts screaming at the Alabama bench. The umpires are like yo what, what are we doing why are we screaming at the Alabama bench 
he's like probably explaining, hey, what the hell? They said X, Y, Z, which again, if anyone's sharing any injury, that is obviously not kosher and we do not condone that whatsoever. Uh, and so I understand why Frank Anderson would be pissed. Boom. Uh, Jeffrey Macias, remember that name, umpire, chucks him. Can't says, forget, can't forget the, the facial hair. I mean, yeah, this, you guy. Will not, this look, especially on this day, the facial hair and the sunglasses were really, really a look. Throws out Frank Anderson. Okay, so boom, Anderson's toss after his pitcher just got rocked. Okay, so it's like, what the hell is happening? What a surprise. Tony Vitello, not super happy about this. <laughs> Understandably, he comes out. He's screaming at him, screaming at him, screaming at him, blah, 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 blah. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Macias, boom, number two, gone. See you, Tony. Adios. He starts, he started, Tony's like, are you serious? You just turned me up? And he gives him a little, little bumpsy, a little chest bump, and not in the cool celebratory, you know, we just, <laughs> we just, you know, made a cool sports play together in the I'm super pissed because you are also the manager that threw out my assistant, Ross Kevin, in the World Series last year, and you are also the umpire that had the wonky strike zone on Friday during Alabama's victory. Tony bumps him. You see Jeffrey Macias turn around and, and respond. That's a suspension, which, as people have pointed out, indeed, in the rules of the NCAA rules, any contact with an umpire is automatic four-game suspension, and that is what Tony Vitello received. And, uh, and yeah, it was, it was crazy. Now, after that, Tennessee... Rolled them on Saturday. Rolled them on Sunday because the balls are awesome. Tony Vitale is now out for – he missed those two games. He knows he's going to miss a game, and then he's going to miss the first Florida game. Uh, it's coming up this weekend. Jake Mintz, thoughts on contact with an umpire warranting a four-game suspension? If Will Smith got a 10-year suspension from the academy for his slap, <laughs> I think four games is totally fair. <laughs> Did he really? Is it 10? Yeah, 10? dude, 10-year. 10 10-year 10 ban. From, like, from going the to the awards? Yeah. I totally missed that. Oh, wow. Yeah, dude. Oh, I didn't. Uh, to be clear, I did see him slap Chris. I didn't miss that. Oh, you that. did see that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Just yeah, make sure. <laughs> um, okay. Here's yeah, my yeah, thought. Yeah. Here's Go my ahead, thought. Mm-hmm. Okay. A, a bump in the rule book is treated like a punch. <laughs> and it is goofy. And umpires often react to these bumps like professional wrestlers. Or Vladi <laughs> Divac. Or Aryan Robin you know, trying to draw a penalty in the opposing penalty box. But that's the rule. If you're a coach, you know you don't bump. If you bump, you're going to get bumped. That's just how it is. And Tony Vitello knows this, and he crossed over the line, in my opinion. It wasn't violent. It wasn't immoral. It wasn't deplorable. But it is within the rule book and the expectations that you play under when you're a college baseball coach. Mm -hmm. That being said... Jeffrey Macias, the umpire, did not just egg him on, okay? He omeletted him on, okay? He wet-egged him on. He skilleted him on, all right? This was more than an egg because he – umpires that engage with you in an argument, that's what the the coach actually wants, right? When you're in an argument, you want the other person to to be engaged and involved in it, but that's not your job as the umpire, man. You got to disengage and you got to walk away and – then you could toss the guy. And Macias escalates the situation in a way that was not good, whatever. It was not good umper. Um, I, last point I want to make. Last yeah, point I want to make. Yeah. That being said, Tony Vitello has his guys row in the same direction. <laughs> Be- and that's all that matters, dude. If you have your people buying into whatever you're doing and you're winning baseball games, 
and you're not injuring people. Again, he did not injure the umpire. It's fine with me. You're he. Everyone is bought in to what he is cooking in Knoxville, and that is the most important thing because they're having the best year in school history. So it's working to a certain extent. Yeah, and I'm thinking of it and just watching the clip. You know, Jeff Macias, is that the correct name? Am I saying it right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Jeff Macias has his Easter best Fu Manchu out. He's looking like he's ready to go take Globo Gym to the Dodgeball World Championships. And with a face like that, he's wearing a sign on his face saying, hey, shove me. Do it. Do it. Come on. Do it. Just do it. And he's walking up. And, you know, Tony Vitello, I just, he's got to remember, there's kids watching this. There are kids. These kids will be at recess kind of Shoving. brushing shoulders against each other. And that there there's going to be an epidemic in Tennessee of kids kind of kind of rubbing their shoulder a little bit wonky for for like maybe 30 seconds at recess cuz they got kind of bumped. But anytime you have a coach fired up like that as a player, you know you're going to something's going to happen. It's just injecting energy. It's like a shot of adrenaline for the whole team. And if it's Tennessee's team, you know how they're going to respond to that. We, we know enough about Tennessee, and we talk about them so much. I wish they would stop doing cool stuff and stop giving us stuff to talk about sometimes because I feel like every week there's something new, which I do love, don't get me wrong, but other teams need to you know, also have some action, get some spotlight. But just I, I can't get over how crazy everybody went over one little chest bump. Yeah, but but to Jake's point though, like, I I I do kind of like that it's very clearly in the rules, so you can't argue the 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 level of aggression or level of violence. It's just like if you bump an umpire, like all you have to do is not physically bump into the umpire. Like that is not a shouldn't be a hard line to go. Now I agree with you, Stephen. It's obviously doesn't look like he like viciously attacked him. It's just like I, I think that the rules are fine in that sense. Um, and to that point, like, I don't know how much credit we want to be giving Tony Vitello from the standpoint of, like, was he even really thinking? Like, no, this was not a cognizant decision. This was not a cognizant decision. He was super pissed because this guy, right, because this guy's been been obviously pissing off Tennessee for, for more than just these couple games. <laughs> um, but to your point, uh, Stephen, I mean, Jordan Beck, next game, he's, he hits two homers. He says after, like, yeah, like. Tony's the best. Like, of course, I, I, I'm amped to play for him, but, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So they have the talent to back it up. Um, but you lose one game at home, you bounce back. That's exactly what the number one team in the country should do. Uh, it was Again, just all very, <laughs> very fun. If I was playing against them, I would hate them. Mm-hmm. I would hate this team. They're yeah. irritating as hell. Yeah. But I don't have to, right? Yeah. I just get to watch. And so I'm incredibly entertained. <laughs> one last thing I want to say, Shock. Have you ever played for a coach who's a clown who got tossed? Because if that happens, the vibe is so different. The, the amount of energy injected into the team is about the relationship that you've built before your injection, uh, ejection. Because if people are behind you and you get ejected, it's like, oh, hey, hey, everyone's fired up. But if you're a, a goober and you get tossed, it's the worst. Yeah, it's, it's a very, very strange vibe. Like, it's happened to me before where it's been a coach that wasn't particularly well-received by the team. 
And, like, he got tossed, and everybody was like, all right, anarchy mode. We can have fun now. <laughs> Bingo. Bingo. Way, way different vibe. We, uh, we end up losing those games, like, even worse. It, it ends up in a blowout. But right. we have fun while we do it. Uh, all right, let's move on uh, to, speaking of anarchy, let's talk about the end of the first game of the Auburn and Mississippi State game. Now, we're not going to run through the play-by-play, although I encourage you all to go watch the highlights of this if you were not watching this. Um, because it was one of the more chaotic endings to a game, uh, which of course included um, two of Steven's favorite things, cum bombs and Jaeger bombs, I believe, back-to-back to get Mississippi State back in the game, which thank goodness that the Bulldogs are giving us something this year because it doesn't seem like they're going to be repeating as national champions, but boy, they're giving us some uh, Steven Shock some good tweets. Fascinating that- order of Jaeger bomb to cum bomb. <laughs> Yeah, usually it's the it's the inverse relationship. You do the Jaeger bombs, then the cum bomb comes. But I, part of me wants to give some listeners context if they don't follow me on Twitter, but I'm not going to do that because I think it's funnier that <laughs> that they don't have any context to this at all. And le- let me just say, those two hitting back-to-back bombs was huge for me. It was just gigantic. It was something I've wanted to see all year. I think Jaeger should go before Cumbess. I think just order of operation-wise, it makes more sense, and I could I could fire off a way funnier tweet. But unfortunately, that wasn't the case, and I'm going to take what I'm given, and I'm going to be happy with it. But late in the game, hitting those home runs in those situations and having funny names to tweet with those home runs is huge. It, yeah. was, it was huge. No huge one for the shock, for the Bob. big donkey brand. No one remembers Bob Johnson bombs. Um, (laughs) But at the end of this game, a lot of crazy stuff happened. But what we're going to focus on is this situation. Second and third, one out, tie game, bottom nine. And Auburn makes the decision to intentionally walk the bases loaded. Is that the smart move analytically to get the double play? Perhaps. But no. They did this twice. They did this twice twice in this inning. Um, Now, this is Mississippi State coming back. This is, by the way, Blake Burkhalter, who's, like, really good. Like, he's one of the better relievers in the SEC. Like, he's probably going to get drafted. Like, and to to do this, just please, it's just never going to work out. And the worst part, again, to Blake Burkhalter's credit, he's facing Luke Hancock. The game's now tied, um, and the bases are loaded on purpose. And Luke Hancock, one of the best, you know, play disciplines in, in the country. And Burkhalter throws him, like, four awesome pitches in a row, and Hancock just spits on him or fouls him off. And it's like, dude, how much more can you ask from this pitcher? Like, you, you are, let alone they botched the double play earlier in the inning that, that would have, you know, made this not even close to this dramatic. It was just a tough, tough bounce and tough strategic uh, decision to watch and just have it all come crumble because – Blake Burkhalter did all he could to resist the own strategy being put into play. He was throwing his strikes. He was getting ground balls, and it just still didn't work out. And sometimes the Bulldogs are just too relentless. God, it was tough to watch. Also, with the way college baseball is, the way the intentional walks are, where you just look in the dugout and your coach is going, yeah, I don't think our pitcher can get this guy out, so we're just going to put him on. Not not great for a pitcher's confidence in my mind. That's the thing, I, man. And again, like he in that at bat against Hancock, like he he went as long as he could. He can't throw strikes forever. All right, like there are a lot of pit. Here's here's what I'll say. This is the reason why I keep harping on this. 
there are a lot of pitchers that would have thrown four straight balls in that situation. Oh, Easily. Absolutely. A ton. Right. You're, you're talking to two of them. You're talk, I'm talking to two <laughs> yeah. of them, right? <laughs> like that, it easily, would, it wouldn't have even been close. But Burkhalter was like, fine, fine. I will throw these strikes. And it just it just didn't work. So tough to watch. Tough L for Auburn. But, uh, again, good. It's, I'm glad Mississippi State has had some fun moments this year. Because, again, I would be stunned if they go on a real run just based on how inconsistent they've been. But they have also been plenty entertaining. Uh, all right. Gentlemen, let's move on to uh, a new topic. Jake, do you have anything else uh, on Auburn Mississippi State? I think we should just mention that the, our podcast, Jordan, is sponsored by S2 Cognition. Yes. We will have a, a fake ad read later, everyone's <laughs> favorite. But in addition to the fake companies that sponsor this, this wonderful show, uh, there is a real one, and that is S2 Cognition. S2 Cognition is a platform used by top athletes across a variety of sports to develop better mental skills. Jordan, tell me a little bit more about S2 Cognition. S2 Cognition, as we, as we talked about a few, uh, few episodes ago, this is training your brain to be better to, do, to use your body. Right, right Stephen Schock? We talked about this, right? And Stephen, yeah. it seems like most of his career was doing the opposite. He was, how can I, <laughs> how can I push my brain and body to the opposite of the athletic, great athletic potential and still succeed. But instead, smart companies like SU Cognition are ensuring that their athletes uh, are doing the opposite. And Stephen, I mean, if only if only you had known about them, you know, your freshman year at App State, your, your whole career would have been different. You'd be yeah, in the big leagues as, right now. As we mentioned earlier, brain fully developed at 25. It will be better developed if the years leading up to 25, you use this product. Bingo. Well said. But we'll get to our fake ad later. Thank you to SU Cognition, our real sponsors. All right. Gentlemen, uh, on the website of which we are doing a podcast for, d1baseball.com, there is a new midseason top 150 draft prospect list, and I'm sure they will talk about it on the podcast later this week. But really, I just wanted to use this as an opportunity to shout out some players that we've really enjoyed watching and who will hopefully become Major League Baseball players one day. Uh, I, you know, we got the list 150. We're not going to read down the whole thing. But if, were there any guys that come that, that, that stand out? I, I wanted to start with a couple uh, while, while you guys pick, just pick a handful here. And first of all, I think we, I'm not sure if we've mentioned his name once on this podcast so far, but Kevin Parada is a freak. Yeah, he's And incredible. I don't know... Have you guys? I, I assume you guys have seen. Now he's leading the country with homer in homers with eighteen. Um, the way he starts is going to be. I hope our friend batting stance guy has seen this. It is one of the stranger loads you will ever see from an open side hitter, open side view. Um, but the dude is unbelievable. He was incredible as as a hitter, and who knows if he can catch. But it seems like he's getting to the point where it's like, I don't care. If he's a DH, he's going to be a first-round pick anyway. Uh, and I know he's kind of stolen that from Jacob Berry in that sense, who's still, you know, I think going to be really good. But Parada's been unbelievable, and I know Georgia Tech is a hitter-friendly park, but he's been sensational. He's up to number three on the list. Uh, Stephen Schock, are there any names that, that jump out to you near the top of this 150? Yeah, so first of all, with the Kevin Parada situation, when we played them at Georgia Tech last year, the only he got out one time, and it was to freshman Jake Berry who's now the Sunday starter at EVA. And yeah. everyone treated Jake Barry like he was the best pitcher in the world because of this. Like, he came in the bullpen, we were like, how'd you do it, man? Like, he had a full <laughs> sit-down interview. Like, what? you're probably going first overall right now because yeah. that happened. 
But forget that's just, Jacob Barry. We need Jake Barry yeah, going one one. Too many letters. But <laughs> that's just a testament of what kind of hitter he is. He can knock it out. Um, Gavin Cross is a guy I really like. He's at number five. He's got a very smooth swing. He's a great right fielder, and he's a good guy. That's one thing Ooh, I like about whoa, him. Whoa, whoa. See, yeah. that's not listed on here. Like yeah, We know he no, has good stats. but These are the intangibles. These exactly. are. I told him he had cool cleats when we were in the right field bullpen, and we talked for like 20 minutes. It was that, that's a good guy in my mind. I have Love very that. low standards. Very low standards. <laughs> I then, uh, oh go ahead. Sorry, no, 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 no. You, you, you. I'll let you interject. Uh, Drew Gilbert. I am just. <laughs> I'm fascinated how that vibe translates to pro ball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Like, is he gonna piss people off, or are people gonna be rolling with him? Same thing with all the Tennessee guys. Right. I, Going from that yep. type of environment, playing for the Vitello Circus, mm-hmm. to like, you know the Reds player development system or whatever <laughs> in an empty ballpark in Arizona is going to be a very interesting transition. I would, I would love to see how like his teammates react to Gilly Goober. Cause that's his Twitter name, which I absolutely <laughs> love. I, I would love to see how like the Latin players react to his play style. Mm-hmm. Of, They're going like, to love it. This is, this is something I've never seen. And he might be an honorary Latin. He might. Just at the very yeah, at the very least, I imagine the um, the eye black will probably be toned down at least a tiny bit. Like how when Bryce Harper in junior college, it was like basically his whole <laughs> face like down to his chest. Like Gilbert's kind of at that level too. I imagine at the very least that'll be toned down. But I love Drew Gilbert. I had a scout tell me before the season he's like middle class Sal Fralick. Although now I think he's just pretty much almost as good as Sal Fralick. <laughs> I love that and, comparison. Yeah, and, and Jordan, who was, of course, the first round last year. And then Jordan Beck is, is exactly the kind of guy who was, like, you know, tooled up like crazy, and now he's cut down on the swing and miss, and he's just unbelievable. So I'm a huge fan of him. Do you uh, want to talk cu- about Bob Moore? Being yeah, let's talk about Bob Moore because he's, he's a little bit, little bit lower on this list than he was to start the year. What, what do we think? What do we think about, about Bob Moore, a Bob Moore ball player, uh, as, as they like to call him on the, on the Arkansas broadcast? Again, like, will this kid be a big leaguer? Yeah. Like, yeah, he's a wizard certainly. with the glove. Yes. Yeah. Did you see his play in the hole where he was spinning around? Oh yes, sensational. That was a fun he's, play. To watch. He's almost a pro level defender right now. But yeah, I don't know, man. It, it's just he's switch hitter. The power, we're, we're not totally sure of the numbers. He's still striking out. It's not like a magical situation. So I, I'm, I, I love Bob Moore. He's going to find a way to be a big leaguer. I just, I don't know if he's going to be a first rounder, but that's okay. Everyone's going to be in, fall in love with him as soon as he gets picked. So. One, one of my favorites on this list is Chase DeLauder, a guy mm-hmm. at. You know, James Madison, nice mid-major school, just having himself a year. And every time, like, every time I'm looking at JMU's box score, it's like, oh, a run scored here. How did it happen? Oh, Chase DeLauder came to the plate. That's, that's what happened. And, like, anytime you watch one of their games, he is making something happen. And I love that. And to see a guy from a smaller school ranked in the top ten of draft prospects, sign me up. Sign He's me dope. up. I'm locked in. I love it. Uh, speaking of uh, smaller schools, I just want to shout out a couple other guys who are not exactly at Power Fives who have been flying up boards. Ryan Cermak, who has been one of the most hot-hitting guys in the entire country over the last couple of weeks at Illinois State, um, both in the outfield and at the plate. He, I'm, I'm a big fan of him. Tyler Locklear, who I know you're, you're very familiar with. I, heard, I saw him hit a gigantic home run uh, against Maryland earlier this year. Uh, that was hit 111 off the bat. Colby Thomas at Mercer 
Mercer has been sensational. I know they're knocking on the, on the top 25 uh, in the SoCon. Kobe Thomas, another outfielder who's been really, really good. Connor Stain. Connor Stain was, had like a 5 ERA at Maryland last year and then transferred to UCF and had a 0 ERA through 30 innings. He could be a top two-round guy. Uh, uh, Jake, Zach Neto. Zach Neto. Zach Neto at Campbell. Got it, got it. Roll, hashtag roll humps. I mean, roll Campbell's and, – and Thomas Harrington, their ace – also a guy uh, who's been who's been flying up boards. Um, Drake Baldwin, a catcher at Missouri State, one of my favorite catchers in the draft. There's a lot of really fun names on this list. Louisville has got some some guys up at the top. And Dalton Rushing, I think, should be even higher on this list. Uh, ben Metzinger, of course, one of the best 23-year-olds. We talked about him last week. So there's some fun players this year. Of course, when we get closer to draft time, I'm sure we'll be talking more about this. But and of course, I'd be remiss not yeah. not mentioning that Reggie Crawford, number yes. 18 on the list. With a jacked-up UCL, that's just a testament of how good he is. I know, I know, and I, I, I he's still probably going to be a you know a top two round guy, even though he hasn't thrown a single pitch this year because he got TJ. But when you're a lefty up to 100, uh, that is that's yeah, gonna. And then you go and hit balls 110, sure. And then you go and hit ball. Play. I know. I I wish he was still hitting this year, but it seems like he is just going to be pitching moving forward. So. Everyone go check out, make sure you're, you know, you got your D1 subscription, use code SHOCK22, BBQ22, uh, get 25% off yearly subscription. Go check out the list. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's fun. Baseball players, these are, these are, this is the next generation. Uh, and we, we, always, we always love highlighting those guys. All right, we are going to take a quick break, and we will be back with Show and & Go and Beyond D1. Jake? Today's podcast is brought to you by Hotel Lobby Study Hall. <laughs> want to convince your coach you're studying for midterms but don't actually want to study for midterms? Head on down to the breakfast bar at dinner time for a Hotel Lobby Study Hall. Let's be real though. You're not studying. You're sending disgusting videos to the team group chat. But that's okay. That's what a Hotel Lobby Study Hall is all about. Don't write that essay or do that research. Just find a video of an elephant vomiting on a bird and send it to all your friends. So toss on your flip-flops, your Patagonia t-shirt, and your mossy oak hat, and head over to the elevator for a hotel lobby study hall. And we're back here on the Shock Factor podcast with Steven Shock. Hey, Steven, how you doing? Hey, I'm good. I'm still here. Still here. still here. This is a play in the show and go segment. I'm just going to go right for it because, you know, the first one on here is a team of which is close to my heart, always has been, always will be. UVA had a triple play in the game against Pitt, and it was bases juiced. They throw the ball to home. It's a ground ball to Jake Geloff, 55 RBI Jake Geloff because, you know, got to drop that in there. He throws it home. Kyle Teal does a six-spin move, throws it about a million miles an hour to first base, which – I, like when Kyle Teal plays baseball, you just let him go and do his thing because he's going to find a way to make something good happen. It might be weird. It might not be the best fundamentally thing to do in this situation, but he's still going to make it work, which I love. And then it's thrown to Devin Ortiz. And this is Devin Ortiz. He's an older guy, fifth-year senior. Savvy veteran move. Flip the ball, but not too far. Trick the third base runner into thinking, oh, he doesn't realize the situation. They only have two outs. I'm going to go home. So what's Devin Ortiz do? He pulls out the little fishing line that he attached to the ball. Whoop, zoops it back to his hand. Throws the guy out at home. Love it. Steven, you are being a little too kind to your friend Devin, I would say. I always will be. <laughs> that, I always will be. <laughs> that this, first of all, back to the first part of the play. What a freaking play from Kyle Teal. 
holy yes. shit, man. That was like to spin and throw it that hard that accurately is insane, first of all. Uh, but no, uh, as, as much as we want to believe Steven's narrative <laughs> that this was a trick play from Devin. It was. Classic, a classic whoop-de-doop. A classic, <laughs> Rope yeah. Rope-de-dope. Rope-de-dope. Uh, you can tell from as soon as Devin <laughs> throws the ball, he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> it's two outs. Oops. Oh, oh shit. It's, it's two outs. Uh, but it does work perfectly. It is truly one of the funniest triple plays you will ever see. And that the is all. and hook. We will, that is all we are going to say about that series for <laughs> yeah, UVA. I, UVA played pretty well over the weekend. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. Okay. All right. Uh, They're next. trying their best. They are trying their best. <laughs> and that's next, what college baseball is all about. <laughs> hey, I didn't say that. I haven't said it yet. All right. Well, you, you get, you're you going to have some good opportunities here the rest of the I got podcast. Like three saved up, so. <laughs> okay, ne- the next the next show and go segment uh, or, or or highlight is uh, a clip of right-handed pitcher Brock Wyrather, who is at University of Richmond, and this is unique, right? I mean, for all the fist pump, let's fucking goes, you know, people want to do the sword and the stupid Trevor Bauer bullshit, Conor McGregor nonsense. This is a unique. <laughs> Mound dismount from Brock Weirather. Seems very much so. I love it. Jazz yeah. hands, baby. Yeah. Uh, bad pitch? <laughs> Horrible <laughs> pitch. Horrible <laughs> pitch. Although I'm 90% sure that's Tyler Locklear at the plate, uh, who I just mentioned earlier. And if I got to strike him out on that bad of a pitch, I would also be running off the mound as fast <laughs> as possible. Because nope, he I'm going. <laughs> It's like, okay, good, I got him. I don't want to have to pit, throw him another pitch. Got a um, blast. <laughs> yeah, so it is very funny. I also love this because Brock Weirather, who is, of course, 23 years old. This is college baseball in 2022. Uh, former D3, Grinnell College transfer. Brock has had a crazy career. Of course, when you're 23, it's, it is certainly could call it a career. Uh, he was at Grinnell. As Jake, you know, you've, you've, did you play at Grinnell is- or at Cornell? I played at Grinnell. That place is Grahel. Yeah, well, <laughs> guess what? Uh, Brock, his senior year last year was like, ah, I'll hit two. And he had a 942 OPS. <laughs> well, also Why being not? their best pitcher. Um, so, and that is our transition to our next highlight. How do you like that, gentlemen? That was real professional. That's a good yeah. segue. That's nice. Uh, George Mason. This was freaking weird. All right, so Saturday – they're playing a game against St. Louis, the Billikens, who could beat the shit out of Steven Chuck. <laughs> I'm in Horrifying. Fear. I'm Horrifying. in fear. Uh, the game, I guess because of darkness, I assume? Rain? Who knows? Gets suspended. Nine to nine in the ninth. Bottom of the ninth. All right, cool. We'll come back. We'll complete it on Sunday. Now, I don't totally understand why this was necessary, but basically what happened is when they resumed the game on Sunday, Jared Lyons one of their top pitchers, who was scheduled to start the Sunday game, came into the game as a pitcher, but also as a hitter. He comes into the 10th, one, two, three inning. He's up fifth, or sorry, fourth in the bottom of the 10th. And Jared Lyons, in his first at-bat of the season, not of his career, we should say. He did hit a few times earlier in his career. In fact, he has a home run with the Alexandria Aces, which you can appreciate, Stephen Shock. Gotta love Cal Ripken League. Gotta love Cal Ripken League. 
so he hit a little bit as freshman in uh, junior, uh, sophomore years. But first at bat of the year, Jared Lyons, and um, he hits a walk-off home run and seems to almost trip <laughs> falling out of the box. <laughs> uh, Steven, thoughts on this play? Well, I don't know if it was a trip or he was thinking, oh, I got all that one. I'm going to rip a cartwheel too because why not? Because I can do it all today. I, I love it. I had no idea he hit a home run in the Cal Ripken League, which as many, many people in the world of college baseball know as the Cape Cod of the greater metropolitan area. Um, so to do it on that stage is huge. But hitting a walk-off home run for the boys, that that's great because every pitcher on the team can then look at all the hitters and say, well, why aren't you guys doing that every every time? Like, this so is simple. True. He, he's hit once, and he's got one home run, so why don't you? Well said. Uh, now, unfortunately for Jared Lyons, he did still have to start the next game, and <laughs> he did lose. <laughs> but, Doesn't matter. But, hey, still, still, a, still a, a successful day, I would say, uh, for Jared Lyons. Uh, Steven, I also like that you just referred to it as the greater metropolitan area. You didn't say which – you just said that it is uh, the... Of, of Maryland. Of Maryland. <laughs> of, 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 yeah, we're, sorry. We're sorry. We're I don't know uh, Jake, any thoughts on... You didn't hit a home run in your only at-bat, so you, you can't really relate to this. It's okay. Swing hard and believe in yourself, kids. Uh, next up, Washington State. <laughs> don't bump umpires. Don't bump umpires. Or do if your team believes in you. <laughs> Washington <laughs> State. I mean, this is just a great video. You tweeted this out from the D1 count. Steven, uh, it was just snow. They snowed out. Watched you, Wazoo and Cal got snowed out in Pullman, and um, they, they had just some delightfully just wholesome hilarious baseball content. No, yeah, snowman on baseball field in the middle of April content. It's like so, it's like it's just a good World mood booster. Two on Christmas when they had you know no fighting on Christmas. That's what this was. That's that's all <laughs> you this can, was. The video you tweeted. That's, you can see, I think that's World War One. You can but, see. Okay. <laughs> You uh, can yeah, see both teams. It was one of them. He had a 50% chance. I'm uh, not the history major. <laughs> you can see both teams are out there, like, hanging out in the snow. Like, just, it's clearly – this was a group activity. Just guys being dudes. Just Wait, guys is this, love this it. This is Washington State and, and, and Wazoo? Yeah. Sorry, it was Wazoo and, and UW? No, Wazoo and Cal. Yeah. And Cal. Okay, so th- this is what I love about, about this, right? That the pack is this – and USC, UCLA, Arizona, Arizona State. Arizona right? State. <laughs> we're getting snow outs in mid-April. Yeah, Tempe, in Washington State. Not a lot of, not a lot of, uh, not a lot of snow outs at High Corbett. I, I, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, anyway, so we love that. Um, next one, Georgia Southern swept Georgia State. It was very cool. After they swept uh, Georgia State, and they came back. Uh, we had a little leapfrog celebration from the boys in the outfield. I love this too. We just mentioned the uh, Brock Wire, rather, you know, you know, strikeout celebration. Anything that's different than just like the jump up and Jake, you have a point about this one? I hate this. Hate Acting it. like they won the won the <laughs> kindergarten World Series. Okay, we are adults. I know our brains aren't fully formed. Yeah, that's yet, been clear. Yeah. But we can't be doing kindergarten. Damn. Wow, you're Recess out on activities. this. activities. What's next? Hopscotch. Psh, oh, psh, oh, psh. What are we going to do? Red Rover? <laughs> this is embarrassing from a top 25 program, Jordan. Yeah. They, how dare they? They can't do Red Rover. It's very dangerous for the arms. So can't, <laughs> yes. can't be doing that. That's a great point. If they're doing Red Rover. They should they, do Coke and Pepsi. 
They should do Coke and Pepsi. <laughs> Not an ad. Not an ad. Uh, all right. But that damn Jake, what a hater. All right, next up. Last one. This one. This is the opposite of a kindergarten celebration. <laughs> this is no, something I, that should not be allowed near a kindergarten. <laughs> uh, when I opened this tweet, I just started laughing so hard. Um, Stephen Chuck, what am I looking at? You are looking at St. Ambrose University. One of my this was an insider scoop because one of my buddies, Adam Feinstein, sent me this. Who I met playing video games. That's how I met this guy because that's the type of life I live. That fast, loose lifestyle that I have. He sent it to me and goes, "Take a look at our home run trench coat." <laughs> they, they could not have picked a creepier kid to be wearing it either. That's so true. So much of it is who's wearing it in this picture. Saint Ambrose, of course, NAIA in uh, in Davenport, Iowa. Uh, they are the they are the Saint Ambrose <laughs> Fighting Bees. <laughs> Those bees will get you. <laughs> ah, allergies. Um, <laughs> uh, I also should point out that there's a briefcase in there. <laughs> oh, wait, real? Oh, my God. Yeah. Fun fact, the briefcase has nothing to do with this. <laughs> like, it's one of wait, the really? You asked? The coach carries that briefcase around, which, to me, psycho behavior. Are you serious? So, you yeah. asked about the briefcase? I, I had to. I had to be like, dude, is the briefcase like part of it? Like you walk around like the Unabomber or something? Oh my god. Also it's an amazing look. This is a good tribute to the, the Bojack Horseman uh three three kids in a trench coat. Bus- business. <laughs> business. All right. Um okay, that's our show and go segment. Now that NAIA trench coat is not our beyond D one. Uh, for our final segment, we are, again, as always, going to go beyond D1. And I have not told our my two co-hosts anything about this this Beyond D1 segment. And, you know, I considered, all right, what are we going to do? That You know, can we talk about, you know, Pfeiffer had a home run cycle in one inning. That was pretty cool. University of British Columbia beat the Vancouver Canadians in a scrimmage, which is pretty dope. Um, so we love that. You know, some other good D3 stuff. But, boys... I went into the record books, I looked at the statistical leaders, and I decided that today we are going to talk about Benedict College in Columbia, South Carolina. Do you gentlemen know anything about Benedict College? Trader. Jake. Jake. Okay, trader. Uh, Steven Schock, you were in Columbia. It's right there. It's, it is a Division II school in HBCU in, 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 in uh, Columbia. You were down there for that regional. Do you know anything about that, Benedict? I know nothing about them, if I'm All right, being great. honest. All right. So um, here's the thing about Benedict College, guys. Jake, yeah. what is the take that I have about most college baseball strategy um, that I think I would love to see teams be more aggressive about. We've, we've talked a little bit. About Everyone it. should steal three times as much. Everyone as should did. steal three times as much. All right. Well, folks, let base. me introduce you to Benedict College, who this season, despite a 5-33 and 33 record, has stolen in 37 games. Don't look. I hope you haven't looked. Stephen, how many bases has Benedict College stolen in 37 games? I, I am not looking. I want to just guess a ludicrous number, but I'm going to say 37. One per game, at least. Steven, come on. This is 
Give me a real guess, all right? 150. 150. That okay. is a good guess, Jake. Okay, that's Steven, a high guess. take I another my guess. guess was going to be high. I was going to say 74. You were going to say 74. Boys, they've stolen 228 bases oh in God. 37 games, okay? How are they now, losing? how is this possible, all right? So here's what you need to know about Benedict College. Their head coach is a gentleman named Selwyn Young. Jake Mitz. Selwyn Young is the uncle of Delwyn Young, who played for the Pirates. Selwyn Young's brother uh, is Delwyn Young Sr., Selwyn and Delwyn. Selwyn Young coached. He grew up in L.A. He watched Maury Wills. He was like, that's my shit. I'm doing it. This is, this is going to be my, uh, my thing. He coached L.A. junior colleges for a long time. He got hired by Benedict in 2010, at which point they became a powerhouse in the SIAC. They were legitimately awesome for the first five years of his, of his reign. Right? The past two years, I think, have been a struggle because, with, because of COVID, they only played eight games last year. It seems like pitching is a real struggle for this team, like their team ERA right now is 1477, which is probably one of the worst in Division II, right? But this team was really good, and they have basically, they spent every year, every year they're smashing every record. Currently, their leader, Braden O'Connor, has 76 steals in 34 games. He's Uh, running. He's running. Um, But again, you're wondering, okay, are they going to set the record, right? Well, you go ahead and you look at the, you pull up the Division II all-time record books. And the most steals ever in a season is Benedict College in 2013 when they stole 334 bases. <laughs> Number two, 2010 Benedict, 316. Number three, St. Leo, 291. Number four, St. Andrews uh, in 1994, 269. And then Benedict, 266 in 2012. So, and in 2011, they stole 261. So in that four-year stretch, they put up four of the top six stolen base seasons ever in Division Two. And this year, if they stay on pace, which is six steals a game, they have 10 games left, they're not making the postseason, they will get to 286. But I want to see if they can get to 300. And so now I will be watching this. There are some great articles, uh, interviews with Selwyn Young about his, how they do this, why they practice this, what, what the, the, the idea behind it is. And again, it was, work, it was working. Like they, they were really, really good. It seems that now they just don't have any pitching. Um, and yeah, it's, 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 it's amazing. They are like the hundred steals ahead of everybody else. Uh, this guy, Braden O'Connor is ahead of everybody else. Uh, one other fun thing I found that their best player in 2012 was named Michael Jordan. Mm. So we, we like that. Any, any relation? Nope. This team, I'm sorry. This team is averaging seven and a half runs a game and they're five and 33. Yeah. That's in and of itself. Yes. Is yeah. Well, that's the thing. Cause this in, when I saw this, I was like, how like they have good offensive numbers, but again, it seems like the last two years, three years, is it's it's just gone south and just it's just unfortunate because again, COVID's hit all these smaller programs in a lot of ways. Um, but it was working, man, and I I would just love to see this them get back to like leg- like get enough pitching that they can actually run this the way that it was succeeding ten years ago because um, it's not working right now. But I mean, in some ways, it's working. I mean. It, it, if they presumably they they might be winless if they weren't stealing, <laughs> it's not like it's hurting them, right? Uh, so I'm glad uh, I got to learn about 
Benedict College and their their stolen bases. But yeah, I yeah. mean they've they've guys they've stolen they've stolen two hundred and uh, stolen two hundred and twenty eight bases in uh, thirty seven games. Yeah, so. I think part of me is thinking, you know how you can like there's companies where you can just send them any shoe and they can turn it into a cleat. <laughs> yeah. Know? So yeah. this is this is my way of saying that I think this is how I think they could get to three hundred bags this season. Mm-hmm. With only a couple games left, ten games left, ten games left. If they if they all get light up shoes into cleats, because not only are they stealing left and right, but the whole field's distracted, especially at night games. You know, mm-hmm. it's like wow. Not only is he fast, he's got cool shoes. Like oh, look at him go. They're lighting up super fast because he's just turning his feet over. And then it's like oh shit, he just stole on me. I'm the catcher, and I was just looking at the light show he's got going on on his feet. I, like, he's got I'm a with rave you, on the sole of his shoe. And and this is the thing. I, like, do I think they're going to get to 300? It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Can they, can, can they steal 72 bags in in 10 games? They Again, if they did it. They, were ste- they, they have a track record here. Track. Emphasis on track. Nice. Track. They're <laughs> running all the time, Benedict is running all the time running uh, that, from the uh, benedict arnold oh. on the on the run after r- running from the revolutionaries you got from, it you nailed that, it that's one of those jokes i think should end with a bazinga <laughs> boom got him uh all right that's our show that's it thank you all for listening we've gone beyond d1 we have gone into d1 uh thank you tony vitello for continuing to give us stuff to talk about uh, use code SHOCK22 or BBQ22 to get a bunch of money off your yearly subscription at D1Baseball.com. And, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.